0: I can remember hearing a song every week every day mind you sung by a man who came into my living room from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania I think that may be the only place where Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania came into our home growing up but I can remember hearing him give us simplicity he talked a lot about things that I was curious about things that Maybe you were curious about. By the way, thanks, Bev Zierly. You know, when I was growing up, I can remember learning how crayons were made, and I can remember how jazz music was played. I got to learn how music came out of instruments, and how you could make a neighbor maybe you were his neighbor. Maybe you grew up with him. Maybe you grew up with somebody like Captain Kangaroo. He's a lesser man. Um, (laughs) Did you know that Mr. Rogers wouldn't do advertising on his station? Um, He was approached at one time by a corporation uh, to sell product to children. And that during Mister Rogers' neighborhood, that they would make a whole lot of money, if only during his show he would say something like, "Today we're going to learn about cereal, and today's cereals brought to you by Kellogg's." Have you ever shot for Kellogg's? Here's Kellogg's. They were going to give them millions of dollars. You know, Mister Rogers uh, moved to moved back home. To Pittsburgh uh, to help a local station that was going to start a brand new way of doing television public broadcasting it would had never been done before and so they started And it was completely funded by generous donations from people like you remember hearing that growing up it was brand new the government helped But he even had to fight for that. Some of y'all seen that video of him stepping before um, Congress and having to share how people needed to hear about how they were good just being them. I remember I became an adult, and uh, there was a news station that did a whole article on how Mr. Rogers had failed us, how he had lied to us, how he had told us something wrong you know what's interesting about a child they're not political you know what also is interesting about children they are dependent what also is interesting about children is they need to hear things like they're loved and taken care of it's the same thing that I hope during this series as we spend time at Mr. Rogers house you hear. God doesn't need you to be anything but you He isn't asking you to change. He's not asking you to be fancy. He's asking you just to come. He loves you the way he made you. And he created you perfect. Just the way you are. He wants to change you into his likeness. But let me just tell you this. He doesn't expect for you to do the changing. He'll do that. You just come to his house. I was sitting there thinking through this preaching series how... How would I do two things? Number one, how would I spend time adequately going through the Christmas story with you guys? And also, how would I bring you back to the wonder of it? The most amazing thing about Mr. Rogers, looking back now as an adult and watching him, is I'm still captivated by the moments he would have. Moments like he had fish at his make-believe house that he would feed. And for several days, he didn't mention them. And a dad wrote in and simply said, Mr. Rogers, my daughter is blind and watches your show. And she's noticed for the past few days, you haven't talked about your fish and would like to know, are you still feeding them? And that's why every day when Mr. Rogers spoke, he said, I'm feeding the fish. He was a simple guy. Ordained minister. Um, In fact, when he was ordained, he was ordained into television for children. It's mesmerizing. I hope that during our time together as we spend time at Mr. Rogers' house, as we go through the Christmas story together, you'll be captivated again by how awesome it is. The wonder of it. The sheer magnitude of it. The fact that there wasn't a brush stroke out of God's hand in it. He knew every piece of it. He wrote it masterfully. He sent Jesus at just the right time. In just the right way. And when we miss that, we will go through the Christmas season and forget all about how great the story really is. And so I'm going to hopefully teach you the Christmas story like Mr. Rogers would. And here's what I'm going to ask of you adults. Let's rewind our minds just a little bit. You know, it's the we know it all thing when clearly we know we don't. Instead, let's fall in love again with the story of Christmas. Let's really dig into it together and let's learn why. God wrote it the way he did. So it starts at the first of Luke chapter 1. And it may seem to you and to me like it's a strange place to start this story. Because Luke chapter 1 is not about Jesus at all. Luke chapter 1 is not even about Mary or Joseph at all. Luke chapter 1 starts completely different. Starts first with Luke writing about how he tried to lay everything out and to be very specific in why he wrote what he wrote. That's Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. He goes through it slowly and tries to identify, this is why I wrote this story the way I did. And then in verse 5, again, we're not hearing about Jesus. We're hearing about somebody completely different. It says this, In the days of King Herod of Judea, there is a priest of Abinajab's division named Zechariah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. I want to stop and just give you why this is important. They're both from priestly families. They would both be people that came from the right tribe. They were the it couple, if you will. It's going to be very important that you hold on to the fact that God chose a family for Jesus to come into, and he chose all sides of it. So it starts with this guy named Zechariah, who is a priest. He would be somebody that we would have said the Son of God should come from. And then you have on the other side his mom, who is from the tribe of Aaron. And you'd say, hey, she's pretty priestly too, right? she's, She's got it put together. She is from the elite status. But listen to what it says in verse 6 about them. Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord. That is a powerful statement to say. Here is two people that are living according to God's plan. That they are living out their faith the best that God could see. And he calls them what? Righteous. I mean, he could call them anything. But let me tell you a simple sentence that I hope that you'll get from the first part of this and it's in your notes it's this God loves to use people God loves to use people who pursue righteousness he loves to use people who pursue righteousness people that would go after his heart people that would pursue him in all they do let's listen to what happens next verse 7 says but They had no children because Elizabeth could not conceive. And both um, of them were along in years. That just means they were old. When his division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, it happened that he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. At the hour of the incense, the whole assembly of the people were praying outside. I, I want you just to capture this moment. The priests would take turns, and in those turns, when the incense time came, they would choose who would go closer into God's presence and relight incense. And at this time, as they were choosing, here is Zachariah's group, and they drew lots, and it's Zachariah's turn. And so, to show you this story maybe a little bit better, I want to take you back with me. I want to take you back in the story to a time where I grew up. I already told you I grew up with Fred Rogers, but I also grew up with a great thing we like to call flannel graph. So here's Zachariah and his wife Elizabeth, along in years, a man of the priesthood who is given the opportunity to go into the Holy of Holies, which would mean this while everybody else is out there praying, Zachariah is alone. I just want you to imagine the moment. This is not an ordinary time inside of the Holy of Holies, inside this inner portion. You didn't make a mistake. You were very much on top of your game. And Zechariah goes in to do one thing. Light the incense. That's what he's supposed to do. That's all he has to do. And that's what he's there to do that day. Everybody else is outside praying. Zachariah's got a job to do. Well, it's about to change. This story's about to get very different very quickly. Then it says this, verse 11. An angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the altar of the incense. When Zachariah saw him, he was terrified and overcome with fear. But the angel said to him, don't be afraid, Zachariah. Because your prayer has been heard, your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you will name him John. And there will be joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while he's still in his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous and to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. Just imagine for a moment what Zachariah is really hearing. He's experiencing something that most priests in his group or any group would never hear in their lifetime. A word from God. This angel, when it appears to him, does something to him. It terrifies him. It makes him afraid at his core. I just want you to imagine for a moment, the holiness of God is powerful. And the angels around him, equally as powerful. They're in the holiness of God. They're in his presence. And this angel appears before Zechariah, and he's telling him, here's what's going to happen in your life. You and your wife will bear a son. That's a lot of emotion. When I was growing up, I heard a sentence that said this, everyone has a lot of ways of feeling. And all those ways of feeling are fine. What matters is what you do with those feelings afterward. We're going to experience things in our life, but what we do with them is what matters. And Zachariah has a choice in this moment. Here's what happens. After he tells him all these things, Zechariah asks the question, verse 18 How can I know this? Zechariah asked the angel, For I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel answered him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. Now, listen, you will become silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words which were fulfilled in their proper time. This moment, Zachariah should have turned to praise. And instead he turned to a question. How can this be? I'm an old man. And my wife is well along in years. Gabriel says, you don't know where I came from. You're forgetting something. I don't speak on my own. I was sent. I was sent by God Himself. I stand in His presence. And I'm here to tell you it's going to happen, but until it does, I want you to understand something. When God speaks, we should listen. So for a while, that's all you will do. Fred Rogers was given an award for his contribution to television in front of all of these actors and actresses. Um, He gets up on stage and he says some words. He says, oh, it's awfully good in this neighborhood tonight. And they all laughed. And he said, you know, he should have come up with, let me tell you why I'm so good. Let me tell you why what I do is so right. Instead, he said, you're all influenced by people. Who must be awful proud of where you are tonight. Why don't we take ten seconds of quiet. And to think of them and to be thankful. I'll watch the clock. And he looked at his clock. People laughed for a second. Fred Rogers didn't move. He watched his clock. The cameras turn and they start to pan into the audience of actors and actresses that are on television doing great things and terrible things. None of them of which just sat there and smiled and laughed. Because we've all been influenced by somebody. I don't know what Zachariah's life looked like prior to this moment. The Bible says he was a righteous man, so he must have been a good guy. But if he's along in years and his wife's along in years, it hasn't been an easy life. And at this moment, walking into the temple, he must have been kind of afraid to walk into the presence of God. But here's the thing. Men had done it before and walked out unchanged. Can you imagine that for a moment? walking into the very presence of God and being unchanged. Not very many men got to do it in their lifetime. A handful maybe. They did it by lot. There's a good chance this wasn't Zachariah's first time or his last. One thing we do know is on this particular day, God sent an angel. And in that moment of complete fear of seeing an angel, Zachariah had a question. And I don't know about you. I don't know how many times you've spent time with God and you've had a moment with him and all you had to give God were your questions. But God, why this? Why did you allow that? Why is this what's happening? So I want to do you a favor for the next few moments. I want to give you something that Fred Rogers said was the greatest gift that he could give to his TV audience. I want to give you silence. I want to give you just a few seconds to really thank God for the things in your life. Maybe you came through Thanksgiving and and it was full of family and travel and turkey and overeating (laughs) and then going back for pie afterward. Amen. I'm there. But what if in the next few moments we just sit here quietly and thank God for who he is? Let's do that for just a second. Just a few seconds of quiet to spend time with God. Lord, the quiet is hard for us. Our lives are filled with noise. Lord, if it's not our televisions, it's our smartphones. If it's not that, it's any entertainment. Lord, a myriad of things, our families, our relationships, fill our lives with noise. Lord, I'm reminded of my friend Micah Tyler's song, Teach Us to Be Still. Teach us to bow down. We know that you are God, but teach us to be still. Lord, it's what you gave Zachariah. Lord, teach us to learn to be still before you, to be quiet, to take time with you. Lord, I believe that you desire to speak More than we desire to hear you. So Lord, teach us to be quiet. Lord, give us that gift. In your name we pray. Amen. So Zachariah, some say it was a curse. I think Zechariah would have told you it was a blessing. That that day, sitting in the Holy of Holies, lighting the incense, he walks out verse 21 says meanwhile the people were waiting for zechariah amazed that he had stayed so long in the sanctuary you know why he had one job light the incense get out when he didn't come out he when he did come out 22 says he could not speak to them so they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary he was making signs to them and remained speechless. By the way, verse 22, they thought he saw visions. What did he see? An angel. Verse 23, when the days of his ministry were completed, he went home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and kept herself in seclusion for five months. She said, the Lord has done this for me. He has looked with favor in the days to take away my disgrace among the people he went home and couldn't tell his wife what happened Can you imagine that here's what happens next we're given some absolute definites about Zachariah and his wife we're given a space of time And I want to skip some in the text because we're going to come back to it. But I I want you to capture for just a second the wonder of this moment. An ordinary priestly duty that changes to be extraordinary like that. All he was supposed to do was light the incense. That's it. Do your job. Get out. But Zachariah was not an ordinary man. God saw that he was righteous. And Jesus could not be biblically sound as a human if John does not show up. In Isaiah, we get this moment that says that there will be a voice crying out in the wilderness, preparing the way of the Lord. Isaiah, that's not before Luke. That's here in your scriptures. That's the Old Testament. Lots of years Before Jesus would come. So God had to keep his promise. If his son was really who he says he's going to be, he has to set the stage for him. And that would be John. But let's talk about righteousness. A righteous person, this is what a righteous person is. A righteous person is one who strives to understand and seek God. That's what a righteous person is. A righteous person is someone who strives to understand and seek God. Here's the problem with that. Scripture tells us something about righteousness in people. Romans 3 tells us this. There are no righteous people. Not even one. There's not any who understands or seeks God. That's Romans 3.10 and 11. There isn't such a thing. So how could Zechariah, and Elizabeth, be righteous. How could we if Romans 3 tells us there is no such person? Well, because that's not where Scripture ends. Scripture also tells us in First 1 John 1, nine that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So how do we do it? We confess our sins and then he does the rest. He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How do you move from unrighteous to righteous? One act. Get rid of sin. We got to have a repentant moment. A moment where we say, I don't want to live in unrighteousness I don't want to do what's wrong in the sight of God I want him to see me like a Zechariah. it's powerful but see John had to come John was going to prepare the people for the coming of the Lord you ever thought about John the baptizer we call him John the Baptist because he baptized people in the wilderness um He was about the same age as Jesus in the wilderness. They would have grown up knowing each other. They were in the same family. One goes into the wilderness, the other goes to the people. One would die a martyr. The other would die a savior. John had to prepare the way for Jesus here's the funny thing about this story when we do as God asks of us our output is always praise so this is what it looks like in our story some time goes between the two and we'll get back to the story in between we'll, re- we'll kind of reverse Paul Harvey it but as it goes the angel goes back Zechariah goes home And Elizabeth has a baby. What's crazy is, all this time, Zechariah still cannot speak. He's quiet. That is, for a season. For a season, he's quiet, but that changes pretty quick. Why don't you join me in verse 57? It says, Now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth, and she had a son. Then her neighbors and relatives, that's these people here, they show up on the scene. They heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and rejoiced with her. When they came to circumcise the child on the eighth day, they were going to name him Zachariah after his father. Makes sense, right? But his mother responded, no, no, no. His name will be John. They said to her, none of your relatives have that name. So he motioned to his father to find out what he wanted to be, him to be called. I love this. He has asked for a writing tablet and wrote his name will be John. They're all amazed. Immediately his mouth opened, his tongue set free, and he began to speak and praise God. Fear came on all those who lived around them, and all things were being talked about throughout the hill country of Judea. All who heard about him took it to heart, saying, What then will this child become? For indeed the Lord's hand Was with him. It's the most amazing moment in Zachariah's life. In fact, the whole countryside was ablaze with it. I mean, here is a a priest who they all know, a good man. I mean, if God knows it, I'm pretty sure the people knew it too. That he and his wife were great people, but she was barren, and he was silent. And all of a sudden, she has a child. It would have been customary to name him after, you know, the dad. I mean, that would have been pretty simple. It still happens in our culture that, you know, dads name their sons after them and call them the second or junior. I mean, it would have made a lot of sense. Zachariah, Jr., ZJ. But that's not what God had promised to Zachariah. He gave him a name. He told Elizabeth that name on a tablet. He had written it down to her. Oh, how he must have wished he could have spoken during that time. How he wished he could have talked about all the time in silence now. The time he got to talk to God. To really listen for the first time in his life. You know, when you do away with some things, like when we fast together. When you spend time and you give away food for the sake of listening to God, you can hear him differently. Amen. That's how it happens. That's why we fast. And in this moment, God had given Zachariah a nine-month speaking fast. Somebody that should have been speaking to the people about God. Someone who should have been teaching them the ways. Teaching them through Scripture, training the next generation. Now had to be silent and listen. Really listen. You know, there's another time in Scripture. We get it with a prophet who is hiding away in a cave. And he's asking God big questions and along comes fire, wind, an earthquake. But none of those things were where God wanted to speak to the prophet. Instead, it was in a still, small voice. What if our days are too cluttered to hear from God? What if you and I are missing a lifetime worth of hearing from God's direction over us because we simply don't give enough space to listen? We fill our lives with too much stuff, time, influence, family, TV, Internet. What if, what if we've wasted so much time in our life that God wanted to invest in us. What if God really does have a different plan for your life? And you're just too busy to hear it. Maybe you need that gift today. The gift of quiet. The gift of silence. I believe this. When you and I start to listen to God, people will see God's hand at work in your life and be drawn To him. People will be drawn to God because of your drawing closer to him. I don't know if you visited Mr. Rogers' neighborhood like I did every day. I can remember seeing that same little fake neighborhood as the camera moved over the top of it and down the street to fake Mr. Rogers' little house. Did you know Mr. Rogers' house didn't have a doorknob? Because it never needed to be locked. His door swiveled. Pretty interesting, right? Did you know that on one episode, Mr. Rogers had to build a bathroom because a kid wrote and asked Mr. Rogers never goes to the bathroom. So they had to build one so he could show them that his house had one. True story. Here's the funny thing about Mr. Rogers for me. I didn't need make-believe. He showed me the real stuff. And the saddest part about that is this. Those that don't know Jesus are living in make believe. They believe that they're in charge. They believe they will live forever no matter what happens because they're good enough, smart enough, wealthy enough. I mean, know enough people, know the right people. That maybe perhaps that if they just did enough good that when they die, they'll go to heaven. That is not scripturally sound. There is one way by which men can be saved. Jesus Christ. His death, burial, and resurrection changes our lives. The funny thing about Mr. Rogers' show is this. The kids that see it today, are all they're seeing is the leftovers. They don't get the real Mr. Rogers anymore. He is already in heaven ahead of us. How do I know that? He knew Jesus Christ. Here's the funny thing about it, though. His legacy still lives. It lives in movies. It lives on PBS. You can watch him. And I can promise you this, you'll be uncomfortable. Because he had no pace. He didn't care if something took three minutes or ten seconds. And we live in a generation that wants it now. So my encouragement to you is this. Take a breath and take some time to be quiet so that you can hear from God, so he can speak to you, and so you can follow after him. People will be amazed when Christians finally connect. With Jesus. Today if you don't know my Jesus. He is so much better than Fred Rogers ever was. I mean Fred Rogers was a good man. But he wasn't holy unto himself. He needed Jesus too. My question to you today is this. At the end of your life. And we don't know what that looks like. It could be moments. It could be years. One thing we know for certain. We're not guaranteed anything. But maybe today, if you knew that there is one thing we all have in common. Birth, life, death, and the afterlife. That's something we all have in common. No matter our background, no matter where you're born, no matter how old you are or how young you are. We all have that in common. And we don't know when that last breath here will be. So why waste time? If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior... Today you should know him. Don't waste another day. Seize that moment now. The Bible says that we've all sinned, which means we've all made mistakes when it comes to God's right living. God had such a plan for you, and it's that you would never sin. You would live holy, and you would run after his heart, and he would run right alongside you. But sin stops the run. And scripture says that that's not where the story has to end. For God so loved the world, He gave Jesus. And He died for us on a cross. You probably know that story. He was buried, and three days later, He rose again. That's Easter. That's why we celebrate that season. But you know what? He lives. And he wants to live in your life. He wants to come alive in your life and change your life. Like he changed my life. And I believe he loves you so much that he's given you another opportunity today to follow after him. So don't waste your day. Give him your life today. Get rid of the sin in your life. Say, I don't want sin, I want Jesus. He can take you, cleanse you, and remake you, and make you righteous. And man, he can use righteous people. I want to have God use my life. And so to do that, I've got to have Jesus cleanse me. And so do you. So today, I hope you'll do that. Hope you'll give Jesus your heart today. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, that's my prayer. That my friends in this room would know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Lord, that you would move in a powerful way over them. And Lord, that you would change their life. God, we know for a fact that you desire to show us a better way of living. Lord, that you desire more than we do that we would be holy and righteous. And so, God, you made a way for that through Jesus. So, Lord, teach us the way. Lord, show us the way. Lord, give us a bravery to take a step forward and say, I need Jesus. God, thank you for that. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. We come to a time every Sunday where we have a time of invitation. It's a chance for you to pray, to come and kneel and pray up here, pray where you are. It's a chance for you to come and talk to someone about your walking with God. Maybe you need to know him as Savior and Lord. Today's your day. Whatever it is, don't miss the next few moments as we sing to God words like, I surrender to you. Are you ready to worship Jesus with me? Why don't you stand? And you come during this time of invitation. You're invited.